You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm so proud of this defense, so proud of this team. We bowed up, we did what we need to do, and you know, we know where we need to go. No one's hanging their head, and there's no reason to hang their head. We played hard, we fought, we showed what, what kind of heart we have, and we're going to keep, keep moving from there. I mean, we definitely held our own, and you know, we definitely belong on that field. I mean, Wisconsin's a great team, but I think we are too. And I think we've proven that today, and we're going to get better and learn from our mistakes and, and try and prove ourselves next week. Um, you know, I think this team's been through so much that, uh, you know, one loss isn't going to, you know, bring us down. Um, you know, we're a bunch of fighters, and I'm proud of the way we played tonight. The, the mood's good. Um, it, it was a tough loss, but, uh, you know, we, we had it at, at some points, and we felt like we should have, you know, came out of that game with, with a win. Obviously, um, it didn't go that way, but, uh, you know, we're excited for this week. Another huge opportunity for us, um, and, we, you know, we kind of control our own destiny. So, guys are still pumped up. They're jacked to uh, be able to go out to, to Columbus and uh, play a great team in Ohio State. Um, could be a huge statement game for us, so we just got to um, continue to keep preparing and uh, just keep getting better. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett as we set the stage for another big road trip in Husker football. And really, you think about it, um, Nebraska doesn't, hasn't in the history, haven't, hasn't had a lot of just back-to-back stretches like this. The closest one Robin I could draw up in my mind was in the year one of the Big Ten, Nebraska had to go to Michigan and Penn State mm-hmm. back-to-back weeks. Um, it was a Penn State team that was actually ranked 11th. I mean, it was kind of one of those... They had an eight and one record. I remember going out there, and, and then Paterno got fired, and they, they somewhat fell apart at that point. And then Michigan was a team that went to the Fiesta Bowl, or not the Fiesta Bowl, but the uh, Sugar Bowl in Brady Hoke's first year. Uh, and Nebraska had to do that back to back in front of a hundred thousand plus. Now this won't be a hundred thousand both weeks, but Camp Randall, I think, man for man. Um, is a pretty darn good 86,000 or whatever it was in that stadium on Saturday. Then you add this week going into the horseshoe at night. Uh, we're going to learn a lot about this team. I mean, I, I felt like Saturday night in a lot of ways was a validation game to validate Nebraska could at least go in the ring and go 12 rounds. Uh, so many times in the past with Pelini teams, they could go in the ring for a few rounds, but by the fourth, fifth, sixth round of the game, you know, fight, they were out of it. And I felt like Nebraska, Robin, really hung in there. And, and now can they do it two weeks in a row? Yeah, that's that's the key. I mean, the, the validation that they gained from that Wisconsin game only really matters as long as you're able to you know, carry it over into this week. And um, that's going to be easier said than done. I mean, Ohio State is the class of the Big Ten for a reason. Um, we, we've seen Nebraska go in there into the horseshoe at night and <clears throat> know all about what type of daunting environment that can be. Um, so this is going to be another big test. But, you know, the, the best thing about this schedule, if there is a silver lining, is that uh, Nebraska was afforded zero time to sit back and feel sorry about itself for losing a game that, you know, it probably should have won. I mean, there were a couple chances that Nebraska should have beaten Wisconsin, might, you know, have an argument to be undefeated right now. But uh, there's you know, no time to sit there and uh, mope. Uh, they, they have a very, probably an arguably tougher challenge uh, lying ahead this week. And uh, so far, uh, based on the coaches and players' comments this week, they, they seem to be taking the right approach just as they've done all season long you're listening here to the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan Robin Washett Nate Klaus is out on assignment in uh, Los Angeles with our video producer and reporter Greg Peterson so we'll hear from Greg uh, Nate later in the show but um, game will be Saturday night it's an ABC game uh, Kirk Herbstreit Chris Fowler on the call it's a seven o'clock national primetime game that's been getting a lot of buildup uh, going into this matchup but you know in some ways Robert I, I like the fact that this game is right after Wisconsin. You know, if you had to play like an Illinois or um, Purdue yeah. kind of sandwiched in between, 
that's the week where you could kind of let your guard down and be like, ah, we played Wisconsin really tough. We're going to come out and just handle, you know, a lower tier Big Ten team where I think this week the sense of urgency is there. You sense it. Um, I first sensed the confidence on Monday around campus, around the facility, uh, seeing people and hearing guys talk that they were proud of how they played. But I, I just think when you know you're going against Urban Meyer, um, you cannot go in there with your guard down. You've got to be so mentally prepared. Otherwise, that guy will eat you for lunch. And, and they're, they're in a position where they want to go to the playoffs. So they are not going to let up. I mean, they want to win this game handily over Nebraska. Well, and just from an individual basis, too. I mean, each one of these players is likely going to be going against uh, the, the best uh, opponents that they've faced all season long. Uh, I mean, you know, the wide receivers are going to be going against NFL, future NFL players in the secondary. Uh, you know, the offensive line is going to be going against, you know, Nick Bosa and future probably first-round draft picks on uh, the defensive line. And you just it's just across the board. Uh, I mean, it's probably the, 50 or 60 four- and five-star guys on their 85-man chart. Yeah, I can't remember how many guys Ohio State had drafted last year. But Twelve. Twelve. So it's unbelievable, and that's probably not going to change anytime soon. So... Uh, if you can't find motivation for this game, uh, you should probably stop playing football. Uh, just because from a team's uh, side, this is a huge opportunity for Nebraska to not only earn you know further national respect, but uh, get a huge win that could be uh, you know maybe program a, changing, a, a defining point, and not only the the this season, but like you said, the future of the program. But and then from an individual standpoint, I mean, this you're going up against the best of the best, uh, and uh, like I said, if you can't get up for this, then I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, you only get so many shots at the Sabins, the Harbaugh's, the Urban. Myers and and you better take advantage of the chance especially if Ohio State comes out flat you have to make mm-hmm. them pay and, and and jump on them a little bit and, and and put some pressure on them a lot of this game too Robin as you as we look at this matchup will decide the Big Ten West first of all at 11 a.m. Uh, Wisconsin travels to Northwestern yep. and man I just have this feeling uh, something crazy could happen at, at Ryan Field um, I think Wisconsin could be in a position where they might let their guard down a little bit um, after the emotional stretch they've been on. Um, so we could know a lot of, about the Big Ten West after that game at Ryan Field. But if Nebraska wins at Ohio State, they essentially almost win the West. I mean, there, there's a lot at stake for Nebraska still. They still are in first place, but Wisconsin does hold the tiebreaker if the Huskers were to drop another game. Yeah, that tiebreaker is huge, and that's probably the most costly aspect of that loss last week is you know basically you you gain an entire game with that tiebreaker and in a race it's going to be as close as probably what this is going to be uh you need every leg up you can get and so yeah i i do think northwestern is going to give wisconsin all they can handle Uh, the wildcats are playing uh, as well as they've been all season and certainly look back nebraska got them at the right time uh but this is again a huge opportunity i mean if nebraska can go out there and somehow find a way to go on the road and beat Ohio State. I mean, you're talking about them being a legitimate uh, contender in the college football playoff. I mean, they're 10th right now, and if they beat Ohio State... That's, they, move, they move to like six. Yeah, I mean, this is this this is for real. So, um, so much at stake, you can't even really quantify it with words. So, uh, hopefully Nebraska comes ready to, to handle business on Saturday night. As we kind of wrap up this opening segment here and other news around the Big Ten... Uh, they announced this week, the Chicago Tribune first reported uh, the Big Ten Conference will now play Friday night football games. I, I believe it's going to be a six-game package um, over the months of September and October with Labor Day weekend having two games uh, on that Friday night. And uh, this has been met with some controversy, and rightfully so, um, because in states like Nebraska, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Iowa, you name it, high school football on Friday nights is pretty sacred. It means a lot to small-town communities. But 
Nebraska, surprisingly, Robin, I'm, I'm surprised by this, that they are really the only kind of blue blood or big name brand program that has come out in front and and openly said, we will take a Friday night home game, mm-hmm. not just a road game. And I'm a little surprised by this. I, I Maybe just the opening weekend, they'll do it on Labor Day. But um, I kind of thought Nebraska would be against a Friday night game. Um, but you would have 10 months notice. And this is something that Nebraska, I think high school football, they would adjust the schedule, whether everybody in the state would play Thursday or Saturday or split it. Because anybody with common sense that wants to make money for your high school football program or your school district, you're not going to put your high school game up head-to-head against Nebraska. And if it's just one week, I think you can live with it. But I'm a little surprised, Robin, that Nebraska has been so out forthcoming when you see Michigan, Penn State, Teams like that saying we do not want to host a Friday night game. Yeah, and you know one thing to keep in mind too is that uh, you know just look ahead to next year. I mean, you, you would highly doubt that they would want two Friday night home games. I mean, because they already play one every year uh, to begin with. You know, and Black Friday is different because that almost is a Saturday. So if they were going to do it, like you said, I think that it would have to be on that Labor Day weekend. I mean, just because of all the the economics involved, the scheduling for fans uh, that come from all over the state and all over the region to these games. I mean, you can't just you know throw it in the middle of a random work week on you know late September. I mean, you got to be able to give fans some opportunity uh, to adjust schedules and, and give them kind of a leeway with you know maybe a holiday weekend. So that's really the only situation I see nebraska volunteering to take one of these and you know michigan state keep in mind they've done a friday night season opener every year for the four past, or five six years yeah, i think past six years so you know this is nothing uncommon uh, for the big 10 but you know you look at teams that have already come out and made public statement penn state said they're going to refuse to do it michigan is going to refuse to do it ohio state says they would only consider it if it were the friday night of their fall break when class is not in session and so you know there there are a lot of other teams that have already taken a firm stance against this but you know, I think that just because Nebraska said they're open to it doesn't mean that they're just going to go out there and, you know, I think they've take already whatever tipped, the Big Ten gives them. I think they've already tipped their hand. They're taking one. Uh, but uh, the economic impact for the businesses is what I would be most upset about. A lot of those hotels are going to lose one night stay because no one's going to stay on Thursday night for a Friday night game. People will arrive Friday and just stay one night. Mm-hmm. That means a lot of restaurants and bars like Misty's, for example, on thir- yeah. on Thursday night, the night before, they're not going to get the type of crowd they normally get and, and, and berries and these types of places. So I think the economic impact of the businesses in Lincoln by losing just one day of hundreds of thousands of people coming into town is what would upset me the most. But this will be something we'll talk about more and more uh, once we learn more. Uh, but let's keep today's show more on Ohio State and Wisconsin. Uh, when we come back, we're going to shift the gears over. We'll talk offense and, and, and what we learned against Wisconsin and what Nebraska needs to do on Saturday at Ohio State. That's all next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Seathan's wanted to be back in the game since he first got hurt. You know, I know for a fact he's he's hungry to get out there again in any way he can. I told him, you know, we need you. We, we want you out there. Get better as fast as you can. And, you know, he's doing everything he can. He's in rehab every single day, getting back, doing what he can, and just pushing himself. I'm excited for what he's going to do. You just have to be aware of him and uh, make sure coverage is going to him. It's, it uh, takes a little heat off of some of the other guys, so it's good to have him there in another threat to have to worry about. So I think it's, it's, a, it's good for us and a, and a physical presence in the run game also. 
And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washed as Nebraska got Jordan Westerkamp back last week, and he provided a spark. Well, this week uh, we're expected to see tight end Seath and Carter back in the fold um, after missing um, the last few games, uh, got hurt against Illinois, and we haven't seen him since with that elbow injury. But he's practiced all week. Uh, there's no question he'll provide a spark. I think it's more a question of how Nebraska will use him, where they'll use him, um, and kind of what his limitations are, Robin. Yeah, and the, obviously I think he's going to see the field in some capacity, especially in obvious passing situations, just because of his value as a receiver and the fact that you know defenses are going to circle him on every single scouting report. And so the, if nothing else, just like Westercamp a week ago, uh, to, to have that presence on the field uh, to make a secondary linebackers account for him uh, is, is going to be value in itself. But what I'm interested to see is how much he's able to be involved in the run game because that's probably one of his best attributes is his ability to set the edge on those, on those, jet sweeps. On those outside stretch plays. Yeah, jet sweeps in particular. We didn't know? see a lot of jet sweeps yeah, last well, because week. because they can't run them because they don't have Seathe Carter out there to set the edge. Yeah, they don't like those tight ends against Vince Beagle and uh, T.J. Watt yeah, last week. exactly. So uh, I, I think that that's going to be kind of one of the key things is um, that's one thing Nebraska's been missing um, as much as anything since Carter's been out is, you know, that that perimeter rushing. I mean, the receivers have done a great job, but, um, you know, that that just having him out there to, to you know, pin in that defensive end and open up those running lanes. I mean, <clears throat> that's been a key reason why Nebraska's running game has had that drop off. So that, that's one thing that I'm going to watch is can with that elbow, is he going to be able to get that push and, you know, seal off the edge um, the, the way that he was you know, before that injury? I think the blocking will be there. It's it's the, the catching that will be what will be difficult just getting those arms up and pulling mm-hmm. the ball in and how much has he been able to do this week I mean they're going to keep that close to the vest they're going to keep this offensive line situation close to the vest I do not expect Tanner Farmer to play uh, on the O-line David Neville has not practiced but I think he will play I mean he's been hurt since the Oregon game mm-hmm. and he continues to play but um, has not played well with this injury I mean he got blown back a couple of times uh, but y- you saw Wisconsin Robin almost you know, defend Nebraska differently. They dropped guys back, and um, I, I think you, we might see more of that. The challenge this week will be Ohio State's a 4-3. Last week was a 3-4. I do think Nebraska plays better against 4-3 defenses just because that Mike ID is a lot easier mm-hmm. uh, for Dylan Utter, mm-hmm. and you don't have a nose guard right on top of Dylan Utter. And I, I don't think, you know, the, he's not a guy you want to put a 330-pound right. Polynesian nose guard over the top of. I mean, he, he's just not going to match up very well in those situations. Yeah, and so I'm curious to see what Ohio State does because obviously Wisconsin had a lot of success with that formula of basically just keeping Tommy in the pocket, you know. Making him throw. Batting down balls at the line of scrimmage and, yeah, making him beat him with his arm. So, But you look at Ohio State, the strength of their defense is their pass rush for the front four, you know, led by Nick Bosa. I mean, they have speed rushers that love to get after the quarterback. And uh, Danny Langsdorf earlier this week mentioned that, you know, we, we have some things that we think we can do against Ohio State, but it's only going to work if we can keep Tommy upright. And that's going to be a big challenge for them. So um, I would expect to see Ohio State mix in a little bit of both. Uh, you know, when they feel like they want to go after Tommy, uh, they're going to do it uh, just because they have the athletes that make it such an incredible challenge uh, to protect the quarterback um, that they would it would be unwise for them not to use that to their advantage, especially when we've seen yeah, as good as Tommy has been in avoiding the pass rush. A lot of times when he makes you know his big mistakes is when he tries to do too much, um, you know, rolling out of the pocket under pressure. So that, that's got to be one thing to watch, and it's going to be a huge challenge for this offensive line against 
uh, by far, I think, in my opinion, the most athletic front four and probably front seven that they faced all season. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Robin Washington, as we go through the offensive storylines for Saturday's 7 o'clock Ohio State game, which can be seen on ABC. And you know another interesting offensive storyline this week is Tim Beck, Robin, Nebraska's mm-hmm. former offensive coordinator, um, who's played a lot of games and a lot of snaps with Tommy Armstrong and Jordan Westerkamp and Terrell Newby and Seathan Carter. Um, Tim Beck knows this personnel very well on this Nebraska offense. Urban Meyer did say this week uh, that he has talked with Tim Beck uh, just about the personnel. And, and I mean, why wouldn't he? He knows these guys just like Ross Ells did a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago for Purdue. Uh, yeah, Urban Meyer in his press conference said he sat down with Beck for a good four minutes just to go over four minutes yeah four minutes he, he specified four minutes uh that's the, not very long well i mean you think about it <laughs> but quick you know here's why it was probably not very long uh you know it's been what two years since tim beck has been around this team and so uh you know he even four mentioned minutes. he even mentioned tommy armstrong by name uh that that uh you know they they asked a lot about him but uh, he said tommy's a completely different quarterback and used in a completely different ways in this new system than he was under beck's system so i mean there, there's only so much you can take from it but I guarantee you, you know, Beck knows a few things about what gets Tommy rattled, what gives him problems, and um, ways to, to make life as difficult as possible for him defensively. Yeah, and they're going to know like tendencies of other receivers like Brandon Riley and DeMornay, Westercamp, and Westercamp, and Alonzo. And, you know, that's the thing this week, Robin. Tommy had so many opportunities. The play design, the scheme for Nebraska on offense is outstanding. I yeah. mean, guys are open a lot. It's a matter of can Tommy get the ball to them? There were two opportunities where he had Brandon Riley, you know, where those two plays could have gone for a long way. Oh, yeah. I remember one that he was running free with no one within 10 yards of him over the middle on a third down, and, and Tommy it, didn't even find him. And it, that's what's frustrating when you know the speed a guy like Riley has. If you can just get him the ball, Orlando, uh DeMornay needs to have a big week. Uh, Westercamp, you know, it was interesting, too, to see him. He was frustrated yeah, at times. Visibly frustrated. Uh, on one third down, he was taken off the field, and, and he was missed. I mean, he needed to be hit on a couple of other plays. So uh, Tommy obviously gets locked in sometimes. And, and when Ohio State, if they have a bust in coverage, Nebraska has to take advantage of it. Yeah, because they're not going to happen very often. But that's one thing that I think Nebraska, if there is going to be a way that they can attack Ohio State, it is with big plays through the air. Because uh, Danny Langsdorf said uh, sometimes those linebackers creep a little bit close to the line of scrimmage uh, to, to play the run. Um, or or rush the passer, and those corners on the outside play man-to-man press coverage. So uh, you're going athlete on athlete out there in the perimeter, and you got to love Nebraska's, um, I guess, ability to match up physically at the wide receiver position as much as any you know probably unit on that offense. Uh, I think that they have the skill guys that can at least hold their own against Ohio State's talented corners. Um, so if they can find a way to give Tommy enough time to maybe run a play action, get those linebackers sucked in, and let those receivers work their way downfield and you know beat that, that press man coverage, there, there's going to be opportunities to stretch the field. And then that's when it comes down to Tommy being able to identify the open receiver and make the throw. There's no question this will be a big week for the offense. They'll have to execute well. It's also going to be a big week for the defense. And we come back here on the program we're going to go through the defensive storylines of the week as the Huskers get ready to travel to Ohio State. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, it's kind of cool. I never really thought I was, you know, get the opportunity to play against, you know, someone like Urban Meyer. Uh, you know, growing up in South Dakota, I just, you know, saw him on TV with Tim Tebow. And, you know, I just thought, you know, you know, that dude's, you know, he's a superstar. And, uh, 
you know, one day, you know, I'd, you know, it'd be kind of cool to play for him, and, he never, and now I guess I get to play against him at his home, you know, his home court. So I'm really excited. I just found, I told him earlier, I just found out it's called the horseshoe. I didn't know what they're studying with, but I know it's a big game. It's a prime time game. It's like something as a child you dream about, like to play in one of these games. So it's exciting. It's almost here, so you got to prepare for it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as Nebraska gets ready to travel to Ohio State this week to take on the Buckeyes. It is a 7 o'clock game locally here on ABC, and, and this segment here of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our friends at Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Five locations in Omaha, two in Lincoln, and the A Street location uh, right on 70th there that took over the old grandmothers is open for business. So uh, lots of great viewing options this weekend if you're trying to find somewhere to watch the game. Uh, five in Omaha, two in Lincoln. Get the wings, char-buffed. Uh, that's my my favorite thing at Tanner's. Uh, they'll have all the games on all day Saturday, all day Sunday. So uh, make sure you get out and check out the action this weekend. But you, know, you heard guys like Nathan Gary as we bring Robin Washett back into the show and, and Aaron Williams, Nebraska safety. Just the buildup for this matchup. I, I thought it was interesting, Robin, to hear Nate Gary talk about playing against Tim uh, Urban Meyer and mm-hmm. you know watching him play against Tim Tebow. And, and that's kind of the age of these guys. They grew up you know, in a younger era, watching a Tim Tebow play and Urban Meyer coach him. So it is pretty cool for a lot of these guys uh, to go against a guy like Urban Meyer this week. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's part of the, the deal with you playing Ohio State. I mean, when you, when you face uh, a program that, you know, Urban has built this thing into, I mean, that that's kind of the draw. I mean, this is kind of what I'm sure Nebraska was for a lot of those big eight schools back in the day, you know. And um, the, so, again, t- as we talked about in the Open, uh, there are so many sources of motivation this week that – uh, I have zero doubt that Nebraska is fully locked in on the here and now and getting ready for Ohio State, even after you know suffering that tough loss last week. Uh, uh, there's just so much for, for you to get excited about for this game. I mean, the fact that it's nationally televised, prime time, ABC's number one game, um, you know, at the horseshoe in a, in a game that could be a defining game for your season, uh, going against you know NFL players across the board. So uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, and I think the players are kind of taking that approach that this is you know as tough as last week was. This is about as good of an opportunity you're going to find uh, in college football, and I think they're going to try and do their best to take full advantage of it. You know, and it really all starts as we we break down these defensive storylines with JT Barrett. I mean, this is the guy that was the preseason Big Ten Player of the Year. I don't know if he'd be the Player of the Year right now. I think uh, Barkley, the running back of Penn State, would have something to say about that. Um, You know, when you look at Offensive Players of the Year in this league and, and what they've done, but um, there's no question JT Barrett is probably your all Big Ten quarterback still at this moment, and and he presents a lot of challenges. And Urban Meyer, no matter who his quarterback has been, they've played like this. And, and it's the mobility. It's his ability to keep plays alive. Um, there's a lot of uh, tough things about him. And, and it's funny, Robin, the comparison drawn up this week was to who? Tommy Armstrong. Mark Banger didn't even hesitate to, to make that comparison. When I asked him right out of the gates, I said, you know, who, who, who is a quarterback that you guys have faced uh, that you would say is most similar to, to, you know, the challenges that JT Barrett present? And without hesitation, he says Tommy Armstrong. And uh, you, you kind of see it. I mean, Jer- J- uh, JT Barrett's a little bit bigger um, physically, uh, but really the way that Ohio State uses him compared to the way that, uh, you know, Nebraska has used Tommy Armstrong, uh, there are a lot of similarities. And so, you know, we, we asked him, do you think that that'll be an advantage for your defense? The fact that, you know, for the past, you know, three and a half years, you guys have faced a quarterback just like JT Barrett uh, every day in practice. And Baker said, absolutely. Uh, and so obviously there's there's differences. And you know, JT Barrett can do a lot of things that probably Tommy's not quite as good at. 
But just from a, uh, just seeing it, this is going to be nothing new for Nebraska's defense. You know, they faced a mobile quarterback plenty of times, and especially every day in practice. And I think that will play to their advantage in some respect that, you know, they're not going to be completely taken off guard by a dual threat quarterback. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This segment's brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. And, you know, some of the other guys on this defense, Robin, first let's start at linebacker that have played well. Uh, Josh Banderas is arguably playing the best football of his career, um, had eight tackles. Uh, against Ohio State or against Wisconsin, Nebraska actually credited him for 13 on their game watch. So some some discrepancy there on how tackles were counted, but no doubt a physical presence that he played with. And if Nebraska is going to win this game in Columbus, Josh Banderas is going to have to have a huge game for them um, at middle linebacker. He's really stepped it up, and a lot of that has, um, you know, that, that Wisconsin game, you know, that's a style of offense that really plays uh, into his strengths. I mean, he he's a guy that's in your you know your base four three Mike linebacker playing tough against the run. Uh, it's when you know you're playing the the Indianas and you know the, the Oregon's of the world that spread you out and um, have really limited his opportunities to even be on the field because he's not a part of that nickel and dime package. So um, he's finally been able to be a mainstay on that defense, and the numbers speak for themselves. He has 32 total tackles, two tackles for loss over the past three games, uh, and he, he a lot of that too. Uh, with his production comes with his willingness to accept a bigger role on special teams. Uh, he, he realized, I'm not getting on the field as much as I need to be, and time's running out in my college career. And so he volunteered himself uh, to be you know, a, a more active member on special teams, and so he's starting on both coverage units and is already one of the leading tacklers, if not the leading tackler well, he's a better athlete on special teams. Guys. Yeah, I mean, and, and so uh, you got to really tip your hat to Josh. I mean, this, I'm sure it was a frustrating start to the year with – the limited opportunities he was getting to see the field, but um, you know, rather than sit there and you know pout and you know cross his arms, sit in the corner, he he embraced it and you know took found ways to, to become more involved. And uh, the production that he's had over the past few weeks uh, is a real credit to what you know that, that that the decision that he made. And speaking of guys that have played well in this defense, how about Nathan Gary? Uh, and he likes to go by Nathan, by the way. I believe. Uh, oh really. Somebody asked him that uh, this week on a radio show, and he prefers Nathan over Nate. But noted. Um, I think the way he played Saturday, I mean, that was just a, a guy making, you know, being a playmaker. He, two interceptions, um, kind of making, you know, Wisconsin's quarterback play was not very good, and he made those guys pay for mistakes. And Nebraska hasn't had players do that much over the last few years. They, you know, when a guy makes a mistake, the ball would just be incomplete. Well, he was able to intercept two passes, maybe one of them could have gone for a touchdown or at least got Nebraska in the field goal range, but he tripped over Josh Banderas on the play. But if he continues to play like this, Nathan Gary is no doubt, Robin, going to be a first-team All-Big Ten safety. Yeah, and probably more. Uh, he was just recently named one of 18 finalists for the Chuck Bednarik Award, which not only is given to you know, the best defensive back, it's given to the best defensive player in college football. And so he's getting the national attention. Uh, and games like he had against Wisconsin are going to go a long way in furthering that profile on the national stage. And so I think you know, the, the accolades are just now uh, starting to roll in for Nathan. And I think by the end, by the, end of the year, um, he's going to have himself a pretty full trophy case uh, just w with how decorated he's going to be, and deservingly so, man. Uh, he was about as criticized as a player on that defense, if you remember, uh, last year. And he uh, finally bought in. Yeah, and I think that that's probably the one thing you can really credit is – 
uh, his understanding of the defense has allowed him to be in a position to make more plays. And his understanding is because he's embraced Mark Banker's coaching. And I think their relationship, just as people, has really grown significantly. He did call him a goober this yeah, week. Yeah, and, and that, that's a comfort level with him. I think He, he they, called him a goober. Yeah, he, <laughs> he talking about Mark Banker's weird sense of humor and how at first he didn't get any of his jokes. And now he just laughs off Banker's jokes. And he's says like the he, funny he's uncle. A goober. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I think that, that comfort and that bond that's grown over the past year is directly correlated with Nate's improvement on the field. All right, well, we come back. We're going to take your questions in the mailbag as Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson will join us. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Today I was getting dressed. I saw ESPN commercial or ABC commercial for the game. You know, it was, it was pretty got me hyped, but I, I was just like, I hope everybody's not watching that getting hyped, <laughs> hyped yet. It's good to be hyped when we get there, but we don't play till eight o'clock Saturday Eastern time. So, and welcome back here to the Husker Online co- uh, Show. That was secondary coach Brian Stewart as the Huskers get ready to travel for the second week in a row to Ohio State and. Um, lots of buildup. ESPN, uh, ABC, uh, it's their number one game of the weekend with Herb Street and Fowler announcing it. And uh, we're pleased to be joined here by our Husker Line intern, Matt Reynoldson, uh, as we go through the weekly mailbag. Lots of questions, Matt, this week again as uh, we get ready for this matchup. We won't have any recruiting this week as Nate is on the road, uh, but... Uh, give us an idea. What are, what are some of the questions we have here this week in the mailbag? Well, and you guys will have to excuse me a little bit. My voice sounds a little tired. Did two, uh, two high school games yesterday, so a little bit fatigued, but uh, back here for the mailbag, and good to be back. On, we record this on Thursday mornings. How will the, the first question is, how will the O-line look this weekend? Yeah, it it's remains to be seen. Mike Cavanaugh, when we dealt with him earlier this week, um, it was kind of a don't-go-there topic with him, and – uh, he did not want to get into specifics uh, about Tanner Farmer or David Neville and, and kind of what their potential roles could be on Saturday and or who the next man in line would be because with those two guys not practicing right now, and I assume Neville plays, uh, but um, with those two guys out, I, Farmer won't play. I can almost guarantee you that. Um, they don't really want to get into like the next scenario, Robin. I mean, because I, I think it's <laughs> you don't want to. I mean, it's 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 not ideal. Well, I mean, you look at the next scenario, it's probably pretty easy to figure out. I mean, Cole Conrad at tackle, Cole Conrad at guard. And... Well, Cole Conrad would be on the starting spot with Neville. I'm oh, talking, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about who, like, they have seven guys. Well, two of the seven. With just Farmer out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two of the seven at practice right now are out. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, obviously options severely limited. But, you know, this is something that Nebraska's offensive line has dealt with for, for weeks now. And I agree. I think Neville's going to be good to go, you know, come game time. Uh, Which gives them Cole Conrad at, like, every position. Right. <laughs> right. So, but you know, Cole Conrad's played well, and I think that they'll be able to you know, do enough to get by. But against by far the best defensive line, you know, I'd say better than Wisconsin's from a talent standpoint. Uh, this is going to be an extreme challenge for this banged up group. Yeah, Tommy too. I think his ability to avoid sacks has actually made people not want to blitz because mm-hmm. he's the least sack quarterback in the Big Ten, and we all know the offensive line situation right now. So that that's a kind of an amazing number. I think it's more on Tommy than how those guys have necessarily played week to week. All right, let's get on to the next question as we uh, take your questions here in the weekly Husker Online mailbag. Well, let's stick with the Tommy topic. Uh, What do you guys think the reason is for Tommy's recent struggles? Uh, I think it's a number of things. Number one, protection. Uh, You you lose guys uh, up front or you have injured guys at your tackle position, so so that's not been ideal. Uh, The second thing to me is 
you take away Westerkamp, you take away Seaton Carter. Those are your best red zone. Those are your best um, third down targets. Um, so I think those things have all really factored into it. Uh, when when he doesn't have his two tackles healthy, his two best receiving options healthy, it's all played a factor kind of um, in how he's played. Um, and I don't think he – I mean, he didn't play great, but I don't think he lost Nebraska the game necessarily either. I mean, I think he did some things, he made some plays, but – um, there are a lot of things why factors why he struggled. Keep in mind too, he's been playing on a kind of a bum ankle for the last few weeks now, so uh, he's clearly not 100. percent Certainly not the same player we saw earlier in the season. So that's something you got to factor in as well. But yeah, Sean, you kind of listed all the reasons of, of why Tommy hasn't been the same Tommy. People forget that sometimes. Yeah, like, they do. I mean, there's a re- he was in a boot, not even practicing during the bye week, and so uh, I think it was a lot more severe than you know people were letting on. So uh, that's that's one thing you got to keep in mind especially when you see him try to throw deep uh, he's just not getting the same push off that back foot and so that's all running I mean he yeah he doesn't have that same burst through the through the hole on those draws and um, that's why you've seen him limit him the Nebraska limit him as a runner uh, so it's really kind of been a just a whole accumulation of factors that have uh, led to a bit of a drop-off all right moving on here we'll take your next question here in the Husker online mailbag well one of his top uh, targets is back at practice this week Seaton Carter we obviously saw back at practice on Tuesday has he done any contact and blocking drills this week or is is he a hundred percent going through practice this week and do you guys expect him to be back on Saturday Robin, you were at practice on Tuesday and kind of saw that, so I'll let you start on this one. Yeah, I mean, they've been half pads all week, so, I mean, they're certainly not doing full-fledged blocking, um, and I'm not sure. I mean, the, we only saw the first 20 minutes or so of Tuesday's practice, so we really don't know what all they've done uh, over the past, you know, three or four days of practice. But uh, what we do know, he's out there catching passes, he's running. Um, so what I would probably envision is him maybe kind of being a situational, kind of on a limited role, um, where you know obvious passing situations, they line him up there. If nothing else, just for Ohio State to have to account for him. You know, we saw that with you know Wisconsin uh, when Jordan Westerkamp came back. They had to know where he was on the field at all times, and I think that almost affected their pass rush a little bit uh, because you know they couldn't quite tee off because they had to keep a guy or maybe two guys um, to you know know where Jordan Westerkamp was on the field on every single play. So if nothing else, I mean that's a pretty good decoy to have out there to to make Ohio State have to account for him. I think they won't live in. A- that much i think he he will he'll want to be out there and um they wouldn't put him let him practice if he wasn't back i mean they, they were down to they're playing connor ketter last week in goal line packages as the third tight end which he's never played to my knowledge um so that they really need that third kind of big time tight end body and, and having him back will be huge well, switching sides to the defensive side of the ball how do you think banker and crew should defend jt barrett uh, I think the biggest thing is tackling. Um, I don't. Ohio State will take their shots downfield, but the importance of just open field tackling, getting off those blocks. They're going to do a lot of you know receiver blocking in space type plays where Nebraska's uh, corners and safeties are going to have to uh, you know move around and, and make tackles. But um, I don't think you want to just all out blitz the guy. But I think Penn State did have success. I mean, the way Penn State won that game at the end, they brought just kamikaze seven man blitzes at at him, and and he had no answer. This Ohio State O line, Robin, um, has a lot of questions right now. They have not played very well. Yeah, which is interesting because they got some pretty big names, uh, you know, led by Pat Eflin, who's uh, you know potential 
first round draft pick. So um, I, I think Nebraska has to be careful. Um, you know, you can't dial it up like you said, just because uh, if you leave one of those playmakers unaccounted for, any one of those players at the skill positions can burn you for a touchdown, and that's one thing Ohio State does <clears throat> does well. Uh, JT Barrett has a pretty explosive arm. They got, like as Mark Banker said, a track team for a wide receiving core. Uh, so I think Nebraska might be better off, you know, playing more of a mush rush with that. Uh, front four and keep uh, JT Barrett in the pocket and make him beat them with his arm. All right, well, we're out of time here on this week in the mailbag, but uh, lots to talk about as we get you ready for Saturday's game at Ohio State. Coming up next in the show, we're going to be joined by Husker Online's Nate Klaus, who's in California for the weekend, watching a number of key Husker targets, interviewing a number of uh, Husker commits, and, and we'll catch up with Nate next. Here, you're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And final segment here of the Husker Online show as uh, we're missing him in studio today, but uh, Husker Online's Nate Klaus joining us over the phone. Uh, He is going to be in California all weekend uh, watching Husker targets, interviewing Husker commits and targets all throughout the weekend. But before we get to that, Nate, you were on the road last week, and that's, that's kind of the fun of your job when the Huskers go on the road and we don't need you in Lincoln. You get the opportunity to go on the road and, and kind of beat the bushes. And, and last weekend, you and our, our, our esteemed videographer, Greg Peterson, uh, traveled down just outside Oklahoma City to see Nebraska defensive tackle commit DeAndre Thomas. And really, you were one of the first guys that have been able to kind of get a full game look at this guy. What were your thoughts seeing DeAndre Thomas in person this past Friday night? Well, yeah, I was I was really impressed with DeAndre, to, to be perfectly honest with you. And, and he was a guy I've, I've been high on, you know, based off of his highlight film. But I think once once I was able to actually see him play in person, uh, at a, um, I think I, I like him as a prospect even more. Uh, you're when you're able to see the way uh, how hard he plays. I mean, he's got a motor that doesn't quit. And when you're able to kind of see how he interacts with people. Uh, how dialed in he is and uh, just how much he loves the game of football. I mean, those are some of the intangibles that, that sometimes are hard to, to pick up from watching a highlight film. And um, and some of the things that really stood out to me with, with DeAndre uh, from being able to, to watch him play in person, the game was, was one of the crazier games I've ever seen. Um, it was very back and forth, uh, close game. It uh, looked like they were out of it, and then um, you know they they pinned uh, Southmore back uh, in their own end zone, and DeAndre Thomas actually came up with a big safety that all of a sudden put him right back in it. Uh, they ended up winning it on a on a field goal, but uh, just from from talking with everyone from uh, about DeAndre and, and seeing him in person, um, you know his his motor. Uh, his strength, his quickness, uh, the way he uses his hands uh, are all uh, fantastic. I, I kind of, he kind of reminds me of a cross between the Davis twins and, and a Malik Collins type of type of player. Um, so I know that's high pra- high praise, but uh, the way that he plays and kind of his build right now, he really reminds me of those guys. We're talking Husker recruiting with Husker Online's Nate Klaus, who's joining us over the phone this week. He's in route to California and. You know, you look at DeAndre, uh, kind of has an undersized frame, but I'm always a proponent, Nate, that that's okay. Very few high school kids carry 300 pounds the right way, so I'd rather get the 
the 260 pound John Raritan that you can build up in the in the strength program. When you look at DeAndre Thomas, how big do you see this guy getting over the course of a career at Nebraska? Yeah, he is a little undersized right now. Um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say that he's necessarily college ready uh, by any means at this point in time. He's about 6'2", 260, 265 pounds. Uh, but the good thing is, like you said, he he's not, uh, you know, a sloppy 300-pounder. He, he has zero bad weight on him. Um, he's got a big lower body. Uh, he's got, you know, a big upper body to, to carry a lot more weight. I think that, you know, ideally you'd see him play at Nebraska between 290 pounds, 300 pounds. Um, I know from talking with him after the game, he, he said that, uh, Coach Perella would like to see him, uh, you know, in that 295 range, you know, after kind of after a redshirt year, um, you know, and a year or so in, in the program, in the nutrition, uh, you know, kind of eating at the training table and everything, kind of putting on the right weight, uh, you know, much like we saw from the Davis Twins. You know, when those guys came in, they were in the 260s and, um, you know, and after a redshirt season, they were they were pushing 300 pounds. So, uh, I think that's the ideal weight for him to to maintain his explosiveness, uh, you know, without losing any athleticism, uh, but still being able to to uh, you know kind of be in the mix with with a lot of the big the Big Ten offensive lines that he's going to face. Now, you and Greg are are going to be in California, and uh, you know, Robin and I will be out in Ohio. But uh, give us an idea. Let us live vicariously through Nate Klaus and Greg Peterson. What is the itinerary besides In-N-Out Burger for you guys uh, when you get into Los Angeles uh, for Thursday and Friday here? Well, yeah, there's there's no doubt we'll we'll probably we'll hit In-N-Out. Uh, probably end up being one of the first things that we do. I don't know. Uh, we get in uh, fairly early, but um, you know we're going to be seeing a lot of the the top targets in in Los Angeles and uh, the surrounding areas. Uh, for the Huskers, and uh, we're going to be stopping by Hawkins High School. Of course, everyone, you know, we've talked so much about Joseph Lewis, a five-star wide receiver out of Hawkins, um, and and I'm eager to kind of see him in his own setting. Uh, once again, we're going to be stopping by his practice, uh, being able to talk with his coaches and, and being able to talk with him, kind of get the latest on where he's at with the recruiting process right now. Uh, so I'll feel very good about Nebraska's chances there, but uh, it'll be good to get a, uh, another update from him. Um, and also his teammate, Greg, Greg Johnson, who just visited Nebraska a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's the, the super athlete uh, out of Hawkins. Uh, Nebraska's kind of recruiting him as a cornerback, but also could play running back or even wide receiver. Probably um, Nebraska talked about having certain packages for him on offense. So, Again, being able to, to kind of catch up with him and see where he's at with things uh, because he is committed to Arizona but still kind of looking around, probably going to be lining up an official visit to Notre Dame coming up. But uh, And then we'll also be stopping by to see Jameer Calvin, uh, the Rivals 250 wide receiver out of Los Angeles Cathedral High School. Um, he's another guy that Nebraska's been on for a very long time. He's He visited in the spring, came in for an official visit during the season, and um, you know, has taken a couple other officials. So uh, eager to, to kind of catch up with those guys. And, and it's always nice to be able to talk with the coaches too uh, because sometimes they can provide a little bit more insight on, on what's going on with a kid's recruitment or what a kid may be thinking uh, because a lot of these guys, especially the high-profile guys, they, 
they you get the PG become you better get... <laughs> and better at keeping things close to the vest, especially as the process goes along. So yeah. uh, I'm really excited to to do that. And then, of course, we'll be going to the Calabasas game on Friday night. I said you get kind of the PG version from the kids, and maybe the at least the, <laughs> at least the PG thirteen version, maybe not the rated R, but the full version uh, with those coaches. Um, you know, as we, as we look at things, Nate. Um, you know, in recruiting, a lot of new staffs come in and, and they really oversell things. And we see a lot of kids jump on board, but maybe the the results aren't delivering. And I think an example I'd come up with is maybe like a Kentucky or somebody like that, where new staffs come in and they oversell and they get all these this movement going, but then it never really delivers. But for Nebraska here in year two, Mike Riley and his staff are not only delivering and recruiting, but on the field as well. How big of an impact, as we uh, kind of put a wrap on things here, how big of an impact do you think um, Nebraska's 7-1 start and, and number 10 ranking right now in the college football playoff poll has had with a lot of these guys? Well, I think it's been a real big impact because ever since Mike Riley and the staff came to Nebraska, they've been they've been doing a really good job of kind of selling their vision of the future uh, to these guys and selling them on, you know, what, what the full offensive and defensive systems are going to look like once they get all their pieces to the puzzle uh, on board. And, um, and a lot of these kids have bought into, you know, being a part of that, that puzzle and, and kind of helping Nebraska, you know, get to that spot. And now this, this fast start this year, I think is really validation of, of that, uh, you know, everything that Coach Riley and the staff has been preaching to these guys in terms of, you know, where the program is heading. And uh, to have tangible evidence of, of uh, things heading in the right direction is, is absolutely huge. And, I mean, you mentioned it with, with Stoops going to Oklahoma – or going to Kentucky, sorry. Uh, you know, we saw kind of a, um, a lot of kids jump on board real early there. But – eventually you had some of those guys, you know, flip to other schools and, and they kind of have run out of steam a little bit. Uh, they aren't recruiting quite as, at the level um, as they were for a class or two. And, uh, and I don't see that with the staff. I, I think they've been very consistent, very steady, um, and, and they've really have positioned themselves well with some highly rated and highly recruited guys and uh, and I think we're going to see the fruits of those labors kind of pay off, um, especially, you know, if Nebraska can can get the best of Ohio State or uh, this weekend or or most certainly if they're able to, to close this year out on a high note. And one other note we'd even get to, Nate, briefly, Austin Allen, uh, the Nebraska's tight end commit out of Aurora, uh, kind of made a sneaky comeback last week. They knocked off York in the first round of the playoffs. They're in the quarterfinals this weekend, and uh, that was a surprise. They kind of kept that underneath the vest, but – uh, it sounds like he's recovered from that knee injury and surgery uh, quite well. Yeah, Austin Allen came back, kind of like said under the radar. I don't know if anyone really expected him to play this year, uh, but he came back and had a tremendous game. Had five catches for 46 yards, uh, had five tackles, a tackle for loss, and, and a couple sacks against York uh, to try and you know give Aurora a little bit of a boost in, in the Class B playoffs there. Uh, so I think that's a great sign for, for the Huskers that, that he's back from that knee injury and, uh, and wasted no time getting getting back into being a very productive player for the Huskies. Well, Nate, uh, we wish you well. Safe travels. If you can sneak back some In-N-Out Burger, I, I'm gl- I'd gladly warm it up in the microwave when you guys get back in, into Lincoln. <laughs> so uh, we're looking forward to your coverage. You guys are going to have complete coverage, uh, video coverage, interviews all throughout the weekend, photo galleries. So 
Uh, it will be a blowout coverage of not only the Huskers in Columbus, but also uh, key Husker targets in the Southern California area. Well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.